Hello and welcome to this Womance's chapter by chapter public access read-along of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. I am your even chapter reader, Isabeau. I read the odd chapters. I'm Morgan. Morgan, what happened in chapter five since we're about to embark on chapter six? The Bennett's ladies went to visit their friends, the Lucases, the Lucas ladies plus Lucas Jr., to reflect on the ball. And Mrs. Bennett got all the reassurance she needed that Jane is the most beautiful girl in the village from all the gossip. But mostly they talked about Mr. Darcy. And Jane was kind of defensive of him in a weird way. Um, And we got this wonderful rumination from Mary who could not give less of a shit about what's actually happening. And she just talks about the concept of pride. And that was pretty much it. Just like another chapter gossiping about chapter three's uh, events. Indeed. With that, chapter six. The ladies of Longbourn soon waited on those of Netherfield. The visit was returned in due form. Miss Bennet's pleasing manners grew on the goodwill of Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, and though the mother had found to be intolerable and the younger sisters not worth speaking to, a wish of being better acquainted with them was expressed towards the two eldest. By Jane, this attention was received with the greatest pleasure, but Elizabeth still saw superciliousness in their treatment of everybody, hardly excepting even her sister, and could not like them. Though their kindness to Jane, such as it was, had a value as arising in all probability from the influence of their brother's admiration, it was generally evident whenever they met that he did admire her, and to her it was equally evident that Jane was yielding to the preference which she had begun to entertain for him from the first, and was in a way to be very much in love was in a way to be very much in love. But she considered with pleasure that it was not likely to be discovered by the world in general, since Jane united with great strength of feeling, a composure of temper, and a uniform cheerfulness of manner, which would guard her from the suspicions of the impertinent. She mentioned this to her friend Miss Lucas. It may perhaps be pleasant, replied Charlotte, to be able to impose on the public in such a case, but it is sometimes a disadvantage to be so very guarded. If a woman conceals her affection with the same skill from the object of it, she may lose the opportunity of fixing him, and it will then be but poor consolation to believe the world equally in the dark. There is so much of gratitude or vanity in almost every attachment that it is not safe to leave any to itself. We can all begin freely. A slight preference is natural enough, but there are very few of us who have hard enough to be really in love without encouragement. In nine cases out of ten, a woman had better show more affection than she feels. Bingley likes your sister, undoubtedly, but he may never do more than like her if she does not help him out. Help him on. But she does help him on, as much as her nature will allow. If I can perceive her regard for him, he must be a simpleton, indeed not to discover it too. Remember, Eliza, that he does not know Jane's disposition as you do. But if a woman is partial to a man and does not endeavor to conceal it, he must find it out. Perhaps he must, if he sees enough of her, but though Bingley and Jane meet tolerably often, it is never for very many hours together, and as they always see each other in large mixed parties, it's impossible that every moment should be employed in conversing together. Jane should therefore make the most of every half hour in which she can command his attention. When she is secure secure of him, there will be leisure for falling in love as much as she chooses. Your plan is a good one, replied Elizabeth, where nothing is in question but the desire of being well married. And if I were determined to get a rich husband, or any husband, I dare say I should adopt it. 
But these are not Jane's feelings. She is not acting by design. As yet, she cannot even be certain of the degree of her own regard, nor its reasonableness. She has known him only a fortnight. She danced four dances with him at Meryton. She saw him one morning at his own house and has since dined in company with him four times. This is not quite enough to make her understand his character. Not as you represent it. Had she merely dined with him, she might only have discovered whether he had a good appetite. But you must remember that four evenings have, all, have been also spent together, and four evenings may do a great deal. Yes, these four evenings have enabled them to ascertain that they both like vingt-et-un better than commerce. But with respect to any other leading characteristic, I do not imagine that much has been unfolded. Well said Charlotte. I wish Jane success with all my heart, and if she were married to him tomorrow, I would think she had as good a chance of happiness as if she were to be studying his character for a 12 month. Happiness in marriage is entirely a matter of chance. If the dispositions of the parties are ever so well known to each other or ever so similar beforehand, it does not advance their felicity in the least. They always continue to grow, sufficiently unlike afterwards to have their share of vexation, and it is better to know as little as possible of the defects of the person with whom you are to pass your life. <laughs> you make me laugh, Charlotte, but it is not sound. You know it is not sound, and that you would never act in this way yourself. Occupied in observing Mr. Bingley's attention to her sister, Elizabeth was far from suspecting that she was herself becoming an object of some interest in the eyes of his friend. Mr. Darcy had at first scarcely allowed her to be pretty. He had looked at her without admiration at the ball, and when they next met, he looked at her only to criticize. But no sooner had he made it clear to himself and his friends that she had hardly a good feature in her face then he began to find it was rendered uncommonly intelligent by the beautiful expression of her dark eyes. To this discovery succeeded some others equally mortifying, though he had detected with a critical eye more than one failure of perfect symmetry in her form, he was forced to acknowledge her figure to be light and pleasing, in spite of his asserting that her manners were not those of the fashionable world. He was caught by her easy playfulness. Of this, she was perfectly unaware. To her, he was only... The man who made himself agreeable nowhere, and who had not thought her handsome enough to dance with. He began to wish to know more of her, and as a step towards conversing with her himself, attended to her conversation with others. His doing so drew her notice. It was at Sir William's Lucas's, where a large party was, were assembled. What does Mr. Darcy mean, said she to Charlotte, by listening to my conversation with Colonel Forrester? That is a question which Mr. Darcy only can answer. But if he does it anymore, I shall certainly let him know that I see what he is about. He has a very satirical eye, and if I do not begin by being impertinent myself, I shall soon grow afraid of him. On his approaching them soon afterwards, though, without seeming to have any intention of speaking, Miss Lucas defied her friend to mention such a subject to him, which immediately provoking Elizabeth to do it, she turned to him and said, did you not think, Mr. Darcy, that I expressed myself uncommonly well just now when I was teasing Colonel Forrester to give us all, all a ball at Meryton with great energy, but it is a subject which always makes a lady energetic. You are severe on us. It will be her turn soon to be teased, said Miss Lucas. I am going to open the instrument. Eliza, and you know what follows. 
you're a very strange creature by way of a friend, always wanting me to play and sing before anybody and everybody. My vanity had taken a musical turn. You would have been invaluable. But as it is, I would really rather not sit down before those who must be in the habit of hearing the very best performers. Uh, Miss Lucas is persevering, however, she added, very well, if it must be so, it must. And gravely glancing at Mr. Darcy, there's a fine old saying, which everybody here is, of course, familiar with. Keep your breath to cool your porridge, and I shall keep mine to swell my song. Her performance was pleasing, though by no means capital. After a song or two, and before she could reply to the entreaties of several that she would sing again, she was eagerly succeeded at the instrument by her sister Mary, who having in consequence of being the only plain one in the family, worked hard for knowledge and accomplishments was always impatient for display. Mary had neither genius nor taste, and though vanity had given her application, it had given her likewise a pedantic air and conceited manner, which would have injured a higher degree of excellence than she had reached. Elizabeth, easy and unaffected, had been listened to with much more pleasure, though not playing half so well, and Mary, at the end of a long concerto, was glad to purchase praise and gratitude by Scotch and Irish airs at the request of her younger sisters, who, with some of the Lucases and two or three officers, joined eagerly in dancing at the end of the room. Mr. Darcy stood near them in silent indignation at such a mode of passing the evening to the exclusion of all conversation and was too much engrossed by his own thoughts to perceive that Sir William Lucas was his neighbor till Sir, Mil- till Sir William thus began. What a charming amusement for young people this is, Mr. Darcy. There is nothing like dancing after all. I consider it as one of the first refinements of polished societies. Certainly, sir. And it has the advantage also of being in vogue amongst the less polished societies of the world. Every savage can dance. Sir William only smiled. (laughs) Your friend performs delightfully, he continued after a pause on seeing Bingley join the group. And I doubt not that you are an, an adept in the science yourself, Mr. Darcy. You saw me dance at Meryton, I believe, sir. Yes, indeed. And received no inconsiderable pleasure from the sight. Do you often dance at St. James's? Never, sir. Do you not think it would be proper com- a proper compliment to the place? It is a compliment which I never pay to any place if I can avoid it. You have a house in town, I conclude? Mr. Darcy bowed. I had once some thoughts of fixing in town myself, for I am fond of superior society, but I did not feel quite certain that the air of London would agree with Lady Lucas. He paused in the hopes of an answer, but his companion was not disposed to make any, and Elizabeth at that instant moving towards them. He was struck with the notion of doing a very gallant thing. He called out to her, My dear Miss Eliza, why are you not dancing. Mr. Darcy, you must allow me to present this young lady to you as a very desirable partner. You cannot refuse to dance, I am sure, when so much beauty is before you. And taking her hand, he would have given it to Mr. Darcy, who, though extremely surprised, was not unwilling to receive it, when she instantly drew back and said with some discomposure to Sir William, Indeed, sir, I have not the least intention of dancing. I entreat you not to suppose that I move this way in order to beg for a partner. Mr. Darcy, with grave propriety, requested to be allowed the honor of her hand. But in vain, 
Elizabeth was determined, nor did Sir William at all shake her purpose by his attempt at persuasion. You excel so much in dance, Miss Eliza, that it is cruel to deny me the happiness of seeing you, and though this gentleman dislikes the amusement in general, he can have no objection, I am sure, to oblige us for one half hour. Whoa, that's such a long dance. (laughs) So when Bingley danced with Jane twice, that was two hours? (laughs) Is that correct? Us one half hour. So, so one dance one hour. Yeah. So but those they're long dances. I, you know, there is that great PBS documentary. We should watch it together. I love it. Where they recreate a, a country ball in the Regency. I would 100% watch the shit out of that. Yeah, it's great. Anyways. Mr. Darcy is all politeness, said Elizabeth, smiling. He is indeed, but considering the inducement, my dear Miss Eliza, we cannot wonder at his complacence, for who would object to such a partner? Elizabeth looked archly and turned away. Her resistance had not injured her with the gentleman, and he was thinking of her with some complacency, when thus accosted by Miss Bingley, I can guess the subject of your reverie. I should imagine not. You are considering how insupportable it would be to pass many evenings in this manner, in such society. And indeed, I am quite of your opinion. I was never more annoyed. The insipidity, yet the noise, the nothingness, and yet the self-importance of these people. What would I give to hear your strictures on them? Your conjecture is totally wrong, I assure you. My mind was more agreeably engaged. I have been meditating on the very great pleasure which a pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty woman can bestow. Miss Bingley immediately fixed her eyes on his face and desired he would tell her what lady had the credit of inspiring such reflections. Mr. Darcy replied, with great intrepidity, Miss Elizabeth Bennet. Miss Elizabeth Bennet, repeated Miss Bingley. I am all astonishment. How long has she been such a favorite? And pray, when am I to wish you joy? That is exactly the question which I expected you to ask. A lady's imagination is very rapid. It jumps from admiration to love and from love to matrimony in a moment. I knew you would be wishing me joy. Nay, if you are so serious about it, I shall consider the matter as absolutely settled. You will have a charming mother-in-law indeed, and of course she will always be at Pemberley with you. He listened to her with perfect indifference while she chose to entertain herself in this manner, and as his composure convinced her that all was safe, her wit flowed long. People will just assume you have the same feelings as them. You can just let them talk and talk and talk and talk. Miss Bingley. What a Miss Bingley. So mean. Well, I think we kind of just like all of these social events, you know, it's a little hard to keep track. They are in rapid succession of each other, but also like what else are you going to do in this town? It's true. What else are you going to do in any small town? Mm-hmm. What do you think about Charlotte's uh, discussion of marriage? That you shouldn't know very much about each other's defects before engaging in it? Yeah, that, I, I guess the overall thing. Like, I I heard some key stuff there where, like, even if you don't necessarily like someone at first, you should try again. And how you can actually learn a lot about someone from, like, four evenings spent together. I think, I think Charlotte is really good at delivering these sort of 
useful tidbits. I thought the thing about, you know, even if you are very alike when you start, you'll grow in such different directions that you'll have vexations in your marriage, regardless of whether or not you started out in like perfect alignment. Yeah. It just shows that, you know, Lizzie isn't the only person who's like very observant. Like Charlotte is also incredibly observant and is thinking about like the aspects of marriage that require work. I think Charlotte seems more broadly observant than Lizzie because Liz- mm-hmm. Lizzie makes that point about how like if I know that she's in love with him, he has to know. And Charlotte's like, no, mm-hmm. why would that work that way? It right? wouldn't. He doesn't know her like you do. And so like fittingly, because she is the main character, I think Lizzie is way more main character energy. You know what I mean? Like she's mm-hmm. she definitely understands herself, but also Charlotte's so much older. That's true. She is. She's had to uh she's been a she's she's been around a lot of people getting married. She's officially on the shelf. It's it also seems like one of those moments when like author's voice is coming through a character. Absolutely. I feel like it's just everywhere. There's just something about the tone. Like you can mm-hmm. feel it shift into something prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Also, Mary's the only not pretty sister. <laughs> and she's just, like more accomplished, but people like listening to Lizzie better because Lizzie's self-deprecating about it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so true. So true, but also so mean. <laughs> Thank goodness she's so young. I feel like in whenever we see like visual image adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, Jane and Lizzie are the only pretty ones. Yes. Or traditionally pretty ones. They are always much prettier than Liddy, Lydia, Kitty, and Mary. It also kind of like trips me up because Mr. Bennett said Lizzie was his favorite, but we find out that Mary is much more accomplished. And Mary is certainly a much deeper thinker, I think, than Lizzie. Why doesn't he like Mary? Is it because she's not pretty? I think it's because she's pedantic, right? Like, she spends all this time alone on her accomplishments because, like, she's not pretty and she knows that that isn't a currency that she gets to use. And so she knows a lot about a lot of different things and is working really hard at her accomplishments, right? Like, she practices. She knows that she has to have this currency, but she doesn't know how to use it properly. Right. I think there's, like, an aspect of Mary that this book is trying to indicate as try hard. And I think Mr. Bennett wouldn't like that. That whole long paragraph about Darcy starting to fall in love with Lizzie. (laughs) Not starting to fall in love, but starting to admire Lizzie. Thinking about her. Thinking about her. And, you know, spent a lot of time talking about how, like, unattractive she was. Is that meant to indicate to us that he actually, like, always liked her and was just frustrated by that fact immediately? Or is it supposed to indicate that Lizzie, he likes Lizzie based on her personality? Because he likes her. We get that speech about, like, like time not necessarily equaling uh, familiarity, familiarity not necessarily equaling admiration. And then we get Darcy having the opposite experience. Yeah. And I don't know if that's meant to contradict Charlotte or to confirm Charlotte. And it would be confirming Charlotte if he had always liked Lizzie and is just now coming to terms with it. I don't no, it's like that's actually hard to tell because it seems to me that he's quite earnest and like the more time he spends with her, the more he likes her in the sense that 
she's witty. Like the fact that he's like coming up to circles of people she's having conversations with and literally contributing nothing, but like just listening to her. What a weirdo. What a weirdo. <laughs> and then, you know, Lizzie being like. He's being quite the Mary. Right, exactly. Do you think that. It's so interesting to have that aside about Mary. Do you think that might be meant as a way of, like, showing us Darcy without showing us Darcy? I hope so because I think it. I, I think they're actually quite good corollaries mm. where it's, like, the thing that Darcy lacks is social grace. And, like, he has the veneer of social grace because it's been trained into him by his class yeah but he he doesn't feel it internally and it is not graceful it's not easy it's not good like his whole conversation with sir lucas where like lucas is just trying to draw him out he's like what do you think of this what do you think of that and like by the end of it darcy is monosyllabic and then he stops speaking entirely that feels like a Mary move. But we get told that in the the text describes Mary's whole deal as being vanity. Yeah. Because she cares about how other people perceive her. Right. And then we get the whole thing about how Darcy's whole deal is pride. But that actually seems like the problem of being a woman. Mm, That your pride is perceived as vanity or that it has to be vanity because you have to care about what other people think. It has to be vanity. Like you're relegated to vanity rather than pride. It seems like vanity on the part of Darcy too, though, even as the book is like kind of insistent that it's pride. Because if it were truly pride, like he wouldn't be so embarrassed in front of like Mr. or Sir Lucas. But he was willing to dance with Lizzie. Well, because he likes her now. Yeah, but like if you liked someone, you wouldn't want to embarrass yourself in front of them. That's true. He's not a bad dancer. He's a mediocre. He's an unenthusiastic dancer. Yeah, exactly. It's his own preference whether or not he dances. So wouldn't that be pride? Like he refuses to curb his own preference for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. If he's not getting embarrassed by dancing, then that's certainly not vanity. But he doesn't. It seems like he doesn't like to do it, which would be pride. But there also seems to be like the aspect of like being watched Mm. where it's like Bingley is like just happy to throw himself into stuff because Bingley doesn't give a shit what other people think until he does. Well, but then Darcy, it would still I would I would think it would still hew closer to the definition of pride the book provides because Mm -hmm. like not being watched. It's not like he's worried what other people think of him. He just doesn't enjoy being looked at, Mm. being like the center of attention. And he very much is here unavoidably. Yeah, exactly. And then we also get the part where like Lizzie is mediocre herself, (laughs) right? But she still plays the piano Mm -hmm. because she's not too proud. Charming. She's not too proud to play the piano, especially when asked. Yeah. And she coaches it in self-deprecation, so we know that she's a good sport. Yeah, which is what Darcy should be doing with dancing, but he's not. But he lacks the social grace to say those things. And so I think that's pride. I think it's showing Darcy has pride. Elizabeth has something else. Is it prejudice? (laughs) It is now. Yeah. She's always assuming he's being an asshole. Right. This book does a really good job about like how one bad interaction then informs the way that you receive the rest of the interactions. Yeah. The original title was First Impressions. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense because like Lizzie has decided that Darcy is a jerk. Do you think Jane Austen was like, ugh, but all this 
repeated use of the word pride won't make any sense if I don't have it in the title. <laughs> yeah, she's like, men aren't that smart. <laughs> I feel like this chapter is doing so much to like explain pride. Yes, it is. Through both the lens of Darcy and Mary. L- Lizzie doesn't have pride. She does. It's just different. Well, in this chapter? Yeah, she doesn't dance with Darcy because he offended her pride, mortified it. Or because she's prejudiced against him and doesn't think he can sincerely ask her. (laughs) And she doesn't want to be turned down again. That's vanity. Or is it pride? We've got a clear definition. Vanity is what other people think of you. Pride is doing something for yourself in spite of what other people would like. Right. So if she doesn't give Darcy the opportunity to turn her down again, that's for her. That doesn't seem to be about other people. She says when he rejected her, he mortified her pride. Right. She wouldn't care how if he was so proud if he hadn't mortified hers. Right. But I think, I don't know. I, I, like, uh, I like that Mary is presented, and the book specifically states Mary has vanity. The book doesn't specifically state whether Lizzie is doing anything out of pride. And I think it would if it meant for her to be, you know? Since it loves using the word and loves pointing it out when Darcy does it. I think it's interesting. I think it's so interesting that this text has set up like a dichotomy between pride and vanity. I think that's interesting too. And then makes Mary our like herald bearer of vanity, even for this like briefest moment. She won't be our only herald bearer, as you say. Um but I think like Lizzie does have pride. It's also like the the dichotomy is shown through two introverts and Lizzie is a true extrovert. And so I think that's also throwing this because like Lizzie has social graces. She knows how to more easily move in society and even protect herself from wounded pride. Right. Like Charlotte's like, hey, I'm going to like open up the instrument you're gonna play and she's like you know there are other better people in the room who play better than me and charlotte's like you're gonna play and she's like okay and like you know that like that whole song and dance to me isn't necessarily about vanity it's not even necessarily about pride it's that like lizzie can read a room really well right exactly i don't think it's about pride i think it's also like keep in mind mary's younger Mm -hmm. than lizzie and mary also isn't pretty Mm-hmm. So she moves through the world differently overall. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, loosen your prejudices. And maybe your pride. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>